Hello and welcome to We Are Movies. I'm Johnny Mockney, as always. And uh, if you couldn't tell from that very spooky intro, it is in fact the Halloween season. And if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that this is my favorite time of year, that I'm going to be doing my best from here till the end of October to go double time, triple time, whatever I have to do to bring you as many spooky episodes of this podcast as possible. Um, more episodes than usual is what you'll be getting, basically, just to take full advantage of the Halloween spirit. Then we'll slow down a little bit, and then maybe get a little crazy at Christmas time. We'll see what happens. But I'm getting ahead of myself. It's October. This is the first spooky episode of October. And um, if you are a long-time listener of the podcast and you're familiar with how things go around here this time of year, you know it's time to check in with our old friend Braden Cooley. Braden's the resident expert on horror franchises here at We Are Movies, and uh, he's been here, gosh, so many times before. We've talked Friday the 13th, uh, Leprechaun, um, uh, gosh, what else, man? Saw... Final Destination. He's been here since the beginning, and he's here to stay forever. Um, not physically, though. Braden did move to Arizona last year, and so this is the first time he has ever zoomed in for an episode. Unfortunately, we couldn't uh, get drunk on uh, spiked cider together, but so be it. We had a great time, and we discussed uh, one of the greatest horror franchises of all time, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, you know it. Freddy Krueger. Robert England, you know, wears that sweater, has that claw glove. Uh, just a perfect franchise. <laughs> well, it's not perfect, and you'll hear us get into that too. But had a lot of fun. Uh, it's not as long as most of the other episodes we've done together. This is a little more concise. We were able to, uh, I think we've matured really over the last year. And so um, we, we, we were very um, analytical and... Um, I don't know, we just consolidated our thoughts much better. You can tell that we're real adults now discussing this silly horror franchise. So without any further ado, please enjoy this very spooky episode of We Are Movies. Braden Cooley, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be back. It's been a minute. It's been a year since we, uh, yeah, we did the last one, which was uh, Child's Play, right? Was it Friday? Was it Child's Play or Friday the Thirteenth? No, was we did it... Friday the Thirteenth uh, early last year. Yes, um, and then Child's Play we did last October. for Halloween. For yeah, Halloween, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's been like just about an exact year. Um, I, I do want to ask because one of the things we checked in on last time was we sort of talked about your development into being a horror fan because that was not a thing that happened earlier in your life it happened later um how was yeah the last... no i was sorry go ahead yeah no no i was just gonna say yeah no i was uh i was very scared of things when i was a child and not just horror things but like dogs <laughs> and cats you know yeah. and just generally just a lot of things i was just scared of i remember my dad tried to show me uh fellowship of the ring when I was a kid, oh, yeah. and um, I was scared of the the Nazgul, um, the Nazgul, yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> they're terrified. I was so scared of they they are terrified. They still yeah. are. I mean, but um, I love those movies now. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, I was scared of everything. So 
it's kind of crazy how far I've come because now horror is my is my absolute favorite genre of everything movies TV shows books video games honestly um it's just I'm I'm obsessed with it now so yeah um well do you feel like your general fear of a lot of things is part of what leads you to liking the horror genre because it's not hard for those movies to get to you (laughs) a little bit uh, sorry, could you repeat that? You kind of cut out for oh, me a little sorry. bit. Um, good. Do you feel like your general uh, like fear of many things is part of what draws you to the horror genre because it's not hard for them to get to you? I think so. Yeah, I I, I remember it was weird because like when I, I was scared of a lot of stuff, but especially when I started getting into middle school, I I was I was very curious about you know, scary things, spooky things. Um, I I remember watched, uh, I started, I think, by watching some, I mean, my dad showed me Ghostbusters. And again, that was one thing where as a kid, I was like super scared of it. But then I like watched it again and I was like, this is really cool and, and funny and not really that scary at all, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but then I ended up watching, I remember uh, finding they had posted that, um, they put the uh, the 80s uh, Goosebump TV series uh, on uh, Netflix or some, uh, yeah. something like that. I remember watching a little bit of that and slowly but surely ended up getting into, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess my my fear of things just kind of, um made me curious about uh, about about that kind of stuff i don't know how that progressed honestly but i don't i, I i'm not sure how my brain works um because <laughs> um, now you're the resident horror guy here at this podcast that's uh, yeah you are the yeah. horror franchise guy that's how the pieces fell together um so the, how is the last year in horror been have you kept up have you watched more stuff I've been keeping up as much as possible. Um, this year specifically has been a great year for horror. I don't know if yeah. you've been keeping up, but yeah. I mean, first of all, you, we got we've gotten a lot of series, um, like already established franchise movies like Scream. We got a new Prey movie, uh, or sorry, Predator movie, which I haven't yeah. watched that one yet. But um, that was good. Um, X uh, and Pearl. <laughs> X and Pearl were both fantastic. Yeah. I loved yeah. X. Um, one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Um, yeah. The new Hellraiser movie just released today on hulu which i'm probably gonna watch sometime this weekend yeah i gotta um, watch that too um, and yeah so it's just barbarian really see barbarian? barbarian was fantastic <laughs> i love ruled. that yeah. um i also really like smile as well i watched yeah. that with a bunch of friends on my birthday actually uh on monday oh, nice. uh and that was really fun um happy belated birthday thank you thank you i just turned 22 so nice my taylor swift year as many of my friends have been telling me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you get a whole taylor swift year Mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't end on your birthday you get to you get to feel 22 for right <laughs> for a whole year I, I i if there's anything that i'm gonna like give a whole lot of credit to taylor swift for it's that she made that age important because yeah. otherwise <laughs> without that nobody would care but, no yeah not really no. <laughs> right. yeah um so we're talking about the nightmare on elm street movies because yes. we are slowly we're trying to get all the big ones out of the way until all the big ones yeah. until 10 years from now, we'll be doing demonic toys or something. <laughs> like, right. The puppet master movies at some point. Yeah. yeah whatever's left at that point, uh, the evil bong. Evil bong. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we still got some of the good ones left. Um, and uh, I think the nightmare on Elm street franchise is one that you and I both have quite an affinity for. I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, yeah. And I know I, I I probably say that for like every franchise. I probably said that about <laughs> Saw and Friday the 13th and Child's Play as well. Not Leprechaun. Uh, not Leprechaun. <laughs> no, that, that is safely not one of my favorite <laughs> franchises. Yeah. Um, 
but no friday the 13th or sorry nightmare on elm street is um it's well freddy krueger as I, I i could probably safely say is my favorite horror slasher um mm. um you get close with 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 Chucky and with uh with Jason Voorhees, but um Freddy Krueger is just so fun to watch, and Robert Englund does just such a great job playing that character over most of the movies. <laughs> um, yeah, that it's yeah, it's just a super fun character to watch, and you, they've it, they always come up with really creative um ways to kill off people, and um they get progressively sillier and goofier and worse, <laughs> but. Yeah um but they're always fun to watch um and so yeah i i definitely have a very um a soft spot in my heart for uh the the nightmare on elm street movies uh especially the first one the first one i would consider one of my if not my favorite horror movie of all time it's wow it's i love it yeah i i i always say like the worst nightmare on elm street movie is still like at least interesting and creative in parts yeah. like the franchise lends itself to some really memorable moments the way in the way that like a lot of other slashers don't like, you know, I feel like the worst Halloween movie or the worst Friday movie are far more forgettable and boring than the worst yeah. nightmare movie, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd much rather watch um, Freddy's dead than watch Jason takes Manhattan. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'd rather watch that video game killed and see Jason on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly not even in manhattan until the last what 15 minutes of the right do you remember the first time you were exposed to this franchise did you start with the first movie what you... i did yep um i it was i want to say i don't exactly remember but i want to say it was a while ago back in high school when i first started really getting into horror mm. um uh which was back when i would go on like i think it was like comcast on demand or something like that and uh find a bunch of movies which is where i found leprechaun and uh <laughs> i think final destination as well um and yeah i remember seeing somewhere on there somewhere on some streaming service uh the first nightmare on elm street movie and i was like you know this is i know this is a classic and if i'm getting into horror i should probably watch it and i watched it and i remember liking it when i first watched it um my love for it didn't really develop uh until uh, i watched it a few more times um but uh yeah i I definitely i started with the first one and i i remember not uh really watching the other ones until way later i think it wasn't until uh actually uh the pandemic hit that i actually found time to sit down and watch through all the movies um but that first one was yeah sometime in high school and uh fell in love with it almost instantly so yeah what was it about it that first time was it like just the visual imagination of it all or yeah that was part of it i think part of it was that it was so like it was one of the it was one of the first like horror movies that i watched that really like because at that point my 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 grasp on horror was kind of like oh there's a lot of like dumb slashers and like you know i wasn't ready to like quite expose myself to like the super like scary like um like you know like exorcism movies and mm. paranormal stuff like that or the stuff that people that i had heard you know from the grapevine that was like really scary stuff you know i was like just wanted to watch like the dumb like violent slasher movies and stuff like that um right. and so i think nightmare on elm street was one of the first movies that really um turned me on to the idea of like well first of all just really good well done horror movies <laughs> um and also like it was legitimately like like it made me feel like scared the first time I watched it um, because I was like, 
you know, the concept of it, of just of this demon haunting you in your dreams and being scared yeah. to like fall asleep again um, because you might get murdered uh, is just like, was like at the time and still is now somewhat, but at the time was just like terrifying to me. Um, and so I just, I found that concept really interesting. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting. The dichotomy of uh, Freddy Krueger as a character where he's kind of known in pop culture as the silliest slasher villain because he mm -hmm. does progressively become more like bugs bunny as the movies go on but yeah for sure but conceptually the most terrifying the, like you're right just like that i like literally like every time i have a conversation about like which slasher would you be most scared of i'm like it's freddy because you you can't escape him you're yeah you have to sleep eventually there's no way you're exactly. not gonna sleep <laughs> like he's got you yeah, for sure. It's it's yeah, I don't know. He's one of the scarier ones. And especially and they really I feel I feel like they do really milk that in that in that first movie. Um, because they don't really get super goofy with him until the third yeah. movie. Um and even then he's still tame compared to the rest of the movies. Um Yeah. So but the like first sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just yeah, so he's just yeah, the first movie is just as just like is legitimately I, I feel like a, a scary movie. Definitely one of the first like scary movies i really ever saw um and considering it came out in the 80s uh it, that also yeah. really impressed me too because of the, the effects first of all i'm a huge fan of uh, practical and special effects and stuff like that um and uh so seeing that was really cool i think that was one of the I, that was also one of the first movies that um uh made my love for practical effects um yeah because i saw them and i was like wow this is really good uh, and i didn't realize like what could be done back then and i was like that's really that's really cool but yeah it, it, like if you want the perfect example of practical effects always being the goat it's the shot of freddy like like uh putting impression on the wall above yep. nancy's bed uh it's that shot like compared to how they do it in the remake with the cgi like 100 percent them using the latex and having the effects guy just lean his face through yep is a hundred percent more terrifying and effective um for sure yeah that first movie uh yeah conceptually scary so like it came out in 84 and at this point like halloween came out in 78 and so the sort of slasher boom was happening for like a solid for a solid six years at that point mm -hmm. and i think it's like the right movie at the right time because they did, there was just enough of it that was still recreating the beats that people wanted from a slasher movie but reinvented it and, and did something genuinely original um because that's the thing everyone wants to do whenever you do a slash movie you're like okay but how are we going to make it our thing right. how is it not just michael myers again you know and that's where like jason Voorhees even comes dangerously close to being michael myers again right yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah and then freddie's just like his whole a whole nother animal um and uh, I do think of that first movie, they do a really good job like towing that line where it is, it's very scary and it's not humorous the way later movies are, but it is fun. Like it's unabashedly yeah. having fun too. Yeah, it's still super fun. And you do see some of his like silliness or goofiness a little bit early. Like you can kind of tell like, okay, he's, he's having fun yeah. with his kills while still being like super scary. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's just, that's just really cool to see that early on, but. One of the best moments of that, I think, is when he's uh, when he he kills Tina in her dream in the first mm -hmm. act, and he uh, he chops off his finger, and you see like the like just like yep. the juice, the Freddy juice squirting out of his yep. finger. <laughs> uh, uh, nice, a nice sort of like psycho esque beginning to that first one where they set up Tina as though she might be the hero, yeah. and then 
she dies fairly early on in what i kind of think and, and as much as i love this movie i think it peaks in the first act like i, yeah. I think tina's death scene is the scariest thing in the whole franchise honestly yeah i think that's like uh on any rewatch of that which i gotta do at some point this month because i just i love that movie i, I watch it every year if i can but um and every rewatch of that movie that scene oh just always was like it, it has me like clinging to my chair you know what i yeah. mean it's like oh my god like that is freaky especially well because you get her her boyfriend who's like in the corner of the room like watching the whole thing happen that's a I'm great like, shot like that wide shot of yeah. in the corner and her just going across like the the being wall dragged the... across the ceiling and all that yeah. stuff like that and um yeah and again just another testament to to how good like practical effects were um yeah. with that movie um because apparently they had like a rotating room for that yeah um for that shot where they nailed down all the furniture and then they had um they and all the cameras and everything and then they just had her the room rotating as she was you know flying around or whatever it was that's just really cool and it's totally a pitch perfect scene because it's just there's no music in that part she's just yep. screaming in agony and he's just screaming it's like him just going tina and then yeah the moment and where she's just dead and she flops onto the bed and you hear yep. you see the you hear the blood just like and then yeah and, and there's he blood leaves. streaks everywhere and then yeah, yeah. And that's it and it's it's just yeah it's it's bone chilling honestly it's it's great my favorite if there's anything that i kind of find maybe unintentionally funny about all the freddy movies it's that there's always the cops at the crime scene just kind of like ah <laughs> like they're, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, always, they're always just like i don't i don't know like <laughs> i don't know what to make of this whatever right right like yeah. um when johnny depp eventually gets sucked into the bed uh and then more blood that's it than is in the human body shoots out of the bed like i can't imagine <laughs> yeah. this going up there like i get a bucket like i don't <laughs> i don't know where to begin with this one captain like right <laughs> um, but then we i mean the movie shifts focus to heather langenkamp as as nancy uh yep. who's the final girl she's the uh you know the laurie strode or sydney prescott or whatever of this franchise right. um and i think she's she's really solid she's like uh oh yeah uh i what do you think it is about her as a heroine that's made her like stick with people over time you know i don't know it's it's one of those things that like that makes me like think about final girls in general and just the concept of like how that came to be you know what yeah. i mean where like what like what made it so like intriguing to see a, a girl be the last survivor and and go through this gauntlet of you know fighting the 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 villain or running from him usually um right. <laughs> or her um <clears throat> she's just I don't know. She, I, I find that she has anytime she's in a uh, in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, it's just a really good movie. Um, yeah. Like she has all the best movies. And the there's a Heather Langenkamp trilogy amongst yeah. these movies. Yep. Also, also a Wes Craven trilogy, which we'll get into. But yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's just. Um, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. She's just. She's intriguing to watch. Um, she's just kind of a, I mean, I don't know. She's just kind of like a normal girl, you know, she's just one of those girls that you see, especially in eighties movies where you're like, oh yeah, whatever dumb teenage girl, but she's actually like likable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, especially like in this first movie, the, the, the characters are actually like, like pretty likable, uh, which I always love to see in a, in a slasher movie. Cause it's like, oh wow, that's, that's nice. You know, I actually, yeah, they're care, all cool. about, I actually care about these characters. I don't, I only want them to die. Um, yeah. I like her. So, 
and, and there's something about her performance too that like heather Langkamp's not the greatest actor in the world but right i remember her delivery so well i think about yeah. like the way she says so many lines where she she sounds sleep deprived <laughs> throughout so much of the movie yeah you know i, I remember her deliver it's 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 very it's where like to be a a a memorable hero it's not necessarily that you have to be an amazing actor but you have to be distinctive you know and there's something very distinctive about her performance um also being johnny depp's first movie i i'm not even just saying this because i know he's johnny depp in retrospect you watch the movie and you're like oh that's the best actor (laughs) like he's (laughs) he's acting circles around everybody else uh yeah for sure it's really it's really fun to again to rewatch that movie and see him in that because especially uh being me personally being a Johnny Depp fan from a very young age um I have loved him for all of my life and uh seeing that movie for the first time I was like oh yeah I forgot Johnny Depp was in this and then every time I watch it it's just it's so fun seeing a young Johnny Depp um I get like you said yeah just acting circles around everyone (laughs) yeah um and he's great and I personally uh think his death is the best in the movie although Tina's death in the first part of the movie does like i said like you said it's genuinely yeah. scary i just love his i don't know the outrageous just like him being sucked into the bed and like you said that that just the geyser of blood just yeah. just coming up and yeah the like more blood than it could feasibly be in a single person <laughs> um, i also, I also kind of like that his character glenn to his dying moment doesn't quite know what's going on like, yeah he's just kind of the whole movie he's just kind of the confused boyfriend that's just like i don't know how to help you <laughs> yeah uh, she's like she's she's scared and she's telling him about freddie and she's like you got to stay awake and he's like all right babe whatever <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> he does not take cool. the situation seriously until until you like even through to the moment that he dies yeah um, because he's sitting there and she's he's like she's like don't you know don't fall asleep and he sits there of course listening to music and watching tv or whatever and just and just doesn't care and just falls asleep and to yeah to his last dying moment he's just very nonchalant and kind of yeah yeah (laughs) and the the supporting cast the movie of john saxon as uh Mm -hmm. as nancy's dad lieutenant thompson uh and he john saxon at this point was always like the go-to like he was a go-to character actor for like just these kinds of movies. Like he also plays the cop in black Christmas. Uh, oh, yeah. He's just kind of like a, Hey, we need a cop. We need an authoritative figure in a movie and mm-hmm. um, was in a lot of B movies and stuff at the time too. Uh, and then I also, and, and like, he's, you know, he's great. He's, he's a solid actor, but then I, I also like, I like that he's kind of a dick. Like he's not like he uses Nancy as bait to catch yeah. Tina's boyfriend. Like he's not, <laughs> And and I also like sort of the bitter. They never outright state it. I, I remember the first time I ever watched it as a kid. I didn't even realize that her parents were divorced. Like it didn't occur to me. But then it's very obvious because like the way they greet each other, you know, like the sort yeah. of bitter relationship between her parents. Um, but then uh, Ronnie Blakely is her mom. I find very funny. Like I think after she gets in the third act where she's just so wasted at <laughs> every moment. And there's that moment where Nancy's trying to get out of the house and all the doors are locked and her mom is on the couch. It's like locked, 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 <laughs> locked. Always <Yeah>. gets me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I always found um, her mom's alcoholism to be a very entertaining aspect of this movie, an underrated yeah. aspect of the movie, honestly. The way that she's hiding it in various places. And... Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Um, I... Uh... So Wes Craven, I want to talk about because I think Wes Craven is 
possibly the the most underrated person in the history of horror pop culture um like we i cannot imagine what horror movies would be without Wes craven without him sort of reinventing it three different times the genre where he did like last house on the left and the hills have eyes in the 70s and then he did nightmare on elm street in the 80s and then he did scream in the 90s and it's like that's if you get rid of those like four things where where are we what what do we even have how many movies have ripped those off you know so many yeah i i definitely would be a lot different he had a huge effect on 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 society honestly in pop culture that a lot of people just don't even realize um that yeah especially with horror movies like i i mean if he wasn't you know if he was still alive i would you know it would be my i'd, I'd love to like meet him shake hands with him just like yeah. you know what i mean he's just he's in my eyes he's just a he's a genius you know he's one of those guys that i i attribute part of my love for horror movies to um specifically because of nightmare on elm street um because uh his later well not his later movies but his his other movies his other popular ones um including scream i didn't even see until somewhat recently within the past couple years you know um so but yeah i I, even just with nightmare on elm street he's had a huge influence on me and uh a huge influence on the horror genre in general and not even just the horror genre but movies um and just movie history and just become it's yeah it's it's it would not be the same without him it'd be a lot worse without him honestly (laughs) yeah (laughs) no definitely and and he he was it's just fascinating how i guess it's just the way that the horror genre has never really been a prestige genre he never really got the notoriety that he deserved or the power that he deserved like even to his dying day was still kind of a journeyman like a guy still taking jobs in hollywood he was never at like a quentin tarantino level where he was just like this is the movie i'm gonna make like he was still kind of a director for hire till the end of his life and which is insane to me you know it's just like how do you and the fact that so many movies that he was being made like i I remember i think his second to last movie was my soul to take which was this kind of you know dumb little slasher movie but that was marketed on like from Wes craven the guy who made a nightmare on elm street and scream and it's like he is you you are knowingly using his name knowing that it brings people in but you're still treating him like a horse (laughs) you know like uh so it's it always it'll always make me a little bit sad but uh you know he's just somebody it's kind of incredible like to do one of the movies that he did would be a lifetime achievement it would be somebody that like i would be insanely proud the fact that he did it multiple times is incredible and the fact that he came back to this franchise in particular and made like the three best movies out of it yeah like blows my mind too um but uh, i did look up the only movie that i looked up letterbox reviews for was the first one because uh i i thought it'd be the funniest one to find negative reviews for um this is a half star out of five this was the worst horror movie i have ever seen the acting was so terrible that it made me laugh Everything the Freddy Krueger said sounded like a joke. I watched this to be scared. I felt nothing after I watched this. Nothing went into the film. I bet the director was on too many pills to pay attention while directing this. That's why none of the actors knew what to do. The acting was terrible and the plot could have been good if everything was better. (laughs) I wasn't even disappointed after watching this. This movie made me giggle. 0.5 stars. See, it makes me giggle too. Yeah. I think we just have different definitions of good. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It's so funny to me. This is my favorite one. This is pretty silly. Uh, this mute. This this music sucks. Monkey monkey dicks. Freddy Krueger is fun to laugh at, I guess, but he's a fraudulent villain. I mean, the main character says he she isn't scared of you and you disintegrate? Vanish? What the fuck? Show some grit. He doesn't have that dog in him in the slightest. Does anybody on this app think LeBron would have given up if the victim said she wasn't scared of him? No, he's the GOAT. Fuck Freddy Krueger, man. I would kick this dude's ass, and he 100% molested those kids too. <laughs> Creepy-ass Harvey Dent-looking killer. um yeah no i i think that's uh oh my god that's i mean they kind of get into something here where it's like yeah no he 100 percent was a child blaster too they're just not yeah they just don't say it yeah it was one of those things where yeah Wes craven was definitely like that was something that he was trying to kind of do he was like it was he was like he was trying to imply that like without ever outright stating it in any of the original movies Mm -hmm. um he was like yeah that's it's kind of the idea like we only ever say that he murdered children but like he took children right. into a warehouse and then murdered them but there was something that happened in between there <laughs> definitely. yeah he, he was a child murderer and uh yeah uh, will sloan on the important cinema club says he's a child murderer the same way that peter laurie is a child murderer in and which which i understand it's like kind of like he i don't know it, like i do think that not only is that taboo obviously that's taboo but yeah. also like as we'll probably get into when we discuss when we briefly discuss the remake i think it kind of ruins the fun of the movies like it's weird it's weird how like molestation is just it's like no that's not that can't be fun but murder can always be fun all right brutally murdering and tearing apart people is fine but (laughs) when you get to touching children that is when we cross the line Um, yeah yeah it's just like murder as murder in isolation is always fun like it can be fun at least has the potential of being fun and uh I, but yeah, there's definitely that implication. And my understanding is originally that was Wes Craven's idea, but like this was a new line cinema, 1980s mainstream movie. You were trying to market to a bunch of people. You kind of wanted the kids to come in and be scared by it. So I get it. Um, But Freddie is sort of a inherently sexual character. There are these aspects of him. Oh yeah. He's always licking people and (laughs) like (laughs) kissing people and stuff um and there's lines like i'm your boyfriend now nancy uh and stuff like that but and then i mean speaking of the sexuality of freddie i think the second movie is probably the biggest one (laughs) to point to Uh, do do you like a nightmare on elm street 2 freddie's revenge yes i do um it's it's definitely i know it's divisive among fans Mm. um a little bit um but because i think it i think it has I think it has more of an influence than we realize um, mm. on a horror cinema because it was, I, it's just a, it's a very gay movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very, extremely very gay. gay movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it for that. I love it. It's, it's, it's like, it's also why I love the original, uh, you know, Top Gun. Um, yeah. This is the same kind of vibes. Um, it's it's barely subtext. It's yeah, practically the text of the movie. Yeah, no, I mean it was written with gay subtext, and then they filmed it, and it was just like now it's like super text. Like it's just yeah, yeah. like it's all over them. It's all and over the, the place. The director and main actor are both openly gay as well. Like yeah. that's a fact. And I remember I haven't there's a there's a documentary about the um the main actor uh of that uh, movie and mm-hmm. talking about his his journey and uh talking about that movie specifically and the influence that it's had on 
uh gay culture in horror cinema and um yeah. stuff mark like that patton. mark patton yeah and um i i haven't yeah i haven't seen that one specific that documentary specifically but i do know um that he was uh he he's he's gay but at the time he hadn't come out yet mm. and um so it was kind of challenging for him to do that movie um because of how gay it was and because so many people were when that movie came out were like oh this guy must be gay um but he he hadn't come out yet so it was like yeah i i I can't imagine it must have been hard for him but since then um i know that he apparently has embraced the character and embraced that movie as a big part of his life and a big part of his like i said his journey as as a gay man so yeah no i I think it's fascinating that this is a movie that was the black sheep of the franchise that people for a long time considered to be the worst one because it was gay. Like they kind of looked at it like, Oh, this like as if it was unintentionally gay and that's what made it stupid and bad. And then now with the intellectual galaxy brains we have now, we're like, yeah. Oh, this is very gay, but it's on purpose. Therefore. Was, it's great. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, and it's, it's very good. And I, I think like the, like the fact that now it's like, it's widely, it's been, it's seen quite a bit of reclamation as like an LGBTQ horror film. And also obviously the movie that stands out the most out of the whole, the whole franchise. Cause right, it doesn't sure. follow in any of the storylines of any of the other movies here. And it kind of has its own rules as to Freddie as a character and stuff. But um, it was uh, mm-hmm. actually, I posted my letterbox review of it. Cause I rewatched it recently with my roommates going through all the movies and uh, uh, our old friend from high school, Holden commented and <laughs> pointed out that basically freddie it's he that he sees it as though like freddie is um sort of like his it, he has his own repressed homosexuality and so he's sort of taking it out on this other kid and like making this other kid like feel ashamed for what's possibly his own repressed homosexuality um and uh, because there is this whole story about like him and this girl and things just not working out with the girl and he really yeah. is kind of in love with his best friend there's that like really intentional line like well why are you here sleeping with me you know like <laughs> exactly um, and and the way that freddie literally like the freddie's inside of him and he's trying to come out and he's trying to and the guy's trying to repress freddie you know like it's so clear as day <laughs> It, it really is yeah it, on the on the surface it's it's oh freddie's possessing someone um which is like making new rules for the franchise like you said but yeah it's somewhat also on the surface because it's very apparent when you especially on a rewatch of the movie is yeah as yeah. freddie's freddie's gay <laughs> you know? yeah yeah well and, and um, even yeah you, even on simple as that yeah, yeah and even on the basis of like a a pure like just grotesque fun horror movie even if you're like like i still don't even understand how people who like these movies still weren't into it because some of the craziest visuals in the whole franchise happened in this movie too like yeah there's the uh i mean this incredible moment when basically what's happening is freddie is possessing the main character his body and it's visually shown through Freddy just ripping out of his body. Yep. And it's incredible. It's one of the greatest practical effects in all of the movies. It really is. It's, it's, I love watching that scene 
Um, and it's one of those things that I kind of, it, it kind of jars me when I watch it. Cause I watched that movie and I, it is an underrated one um, in the franchise, but I watch it with generally not like low expectations, but like, you know, I, I do like it. Um, I definitely like other movies more than this one, but it's, it's one where I watch them. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm here to have a good time. Just watch a nightmare on Elm street movie. And I get to that point in the movie and it's like, oh yeah, fuck, this is a nightmare on Elm street movie. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's intense. Like it's that, that scene specifically. Um, and then, yeah. then when he, when he kills, um, his his friend it's 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 that's a good that's the whole, whole scene it's just it's fantastic yeah. well, and then he murders everybody at the pool party at the per- pool party which is the only movie where he's had like a mass killing spree yeah like every other movie he likes targets people specifically like visually he'll like go into their dreams and then whatever um or sometimes a group of them will like try to face him head on but like usually like but like that's the only instance where he goes to a group of people and murders like multiple people all at once. Yeah. Um, yeah. A great idea. Like yeah. in a way, this movie, the events of this movie feel like they should be the fourth or fifth movie in the franchise where after exactly. we've gotten bored of the normal rules, then we start shaking it up. Right. It um, feels very out of place in the, in the order of, of movies there. Well, but. yeah. And it's clear at this time, hundred percent know what Freddie was, what they were going to do with him. Like, mm-hmm. The first movie is still really vague on the rules of Freddy, considering that the ending is such an open ending. You don't really like they're like, oh, did they defeat Freddy or they didn't? Did he actually kill any of the people? Like, so they're they're kind of working from the ground up with this one of just like, yeah, let's just do more goofy stuff with Freddy. Let's just do more weird stuff and see where it takes us. Um, right. But I mean, the fact that apparently for the first two weeks of shooting this movie, they didn't have Robert England playing Freddy. They didn't. Uh, they didn't realize that he was an integral part of that character. So they just had a stuntman playing Freddy. And then two weeks in, they were like, oh no, we need Robert England. Like it's clear. Yeah. It was clear that it wasn't the same guy. And I think that's fascinating that anyone could watch that first movie and not realize what a huge part he plays and that like his expressions, his facial expressions and, yeah. and, and everything. And, and the way he delivers lines is such a huge part of that character. Um yeah for sure he's he's made that character his own and he's made it so iconic and it's it's i mean yeah it's hard to imagine anybody else really doing that character or you know it's hard to imagine him not being as big of a part of the franchise as he is considering the fact that you know we can sit here and and we see nightmare on elm street as a franchise as opposed to just one movie when it came out because we weren't alive when it came out um you know so it's it's yeah, it's it's weird to think that people saw that movie and they're like, okay, cool, Freddy Krueger, all right, I guess, good movie, you know. And then the people making it were just like, yeah, let's continue it, but just right, whoever wants to be Freddy Krueger could be Freddy Krueger, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> no, definitely, and it's it's good that they caught on. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I oh, I also wanted to point out the dogs with faces at the end in the third act. There's like dogs with like. He, Human yeah faces <laughs> it's weird it looks like they're wearing the um the mask is the mask from happy death day like the baby mask yeah um it, it's weird and, and yeah they're just dogs wearing human faces or human masks sure. whatever like that and it's just like all right why yeah <laughs> well, just yeah okay. right. i don't even think that's a dream sequence it might be i don't i don't even remember at this point but it's like all right, dogs with human faces. That's there's a point in this franchise where you just kind of got to stop trying to think about the rules, like what's dr- yeah. dreams and where you just kind of got to sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> that it's right, yeah. Um, you can't do Inception with this. You can't try to sit there and digest the whole movie and try to figure out, oh, when are they dreaming and when are they in real life? And 
yeah is the top spinning or whatever you know that's not <laughs> that's not a nightmare on elm street thing you just watch them and then people die and that's uh, that's it that's you just yeah. do the, that's just how it is you just yeah. kind of accept it for how to, especially when you get into the later movies it's just like all right this might as well happen all right sure let's let's right well and that's the you thing know? i i wonder what you think about this because everyone talks about every slasher franchise jumps the shark right eventually jason's gonna go to space right. like eventually something like that's gonna happen and it's like and that happens with these movies where they get progressively sillier and freddie becomes more of a cartoon character but i always kind of think that like I don't know. I like that's just the nature of there being many movies. You're not going to have a whole franchise of the same tone of movie. Like they're they're bound to change in some way over time to try to stay fresh. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 why I love horror franchises so much. It's because you. I know I'm always going to have a good time watching the movies because they're going to try to all be different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're for the most part, you know, um, except for when it comes to like remakes sometimes, but. Um, yeah uh yeah it's it's so interesting to to watch that kind of stuff and it's it's one of those things where people are like oh you know it's not necessary for this movie to have a sequel or to to have this many sequels or like why like people complain that like Mm -hmm. horror movie franchises or just franchises in general uh like star wars and other things like that are like you know have so many movies in their franchise and i just think it's an opportunity to explore more stuff you know yeah and it's it's really cool to see what kind of stuff they do explore even when it's the weirdest goofiest dumbest shit i've ever seen in my life right Um, and i mean it's the fact that like every movie i think what's most fascinating about any long-running franchise is that every movie is a reflection of whatever's popular at the time and what people seem to be responding to and it was a fact that freddy krueger as a character was becoming a pop culture icon like the way that Stifler overtakes the American Pie movies is the way that Freddy (laughs) Krueger becomes like a more prominent character. And I mean, at this point, like he, two, three movies in, Freddie was a guy, a guy who, you know, Robert England was playing him on talk shows. And um, yeah. he even like eventually there was the television show, Freddie's Nightmares, which was like a Tales from the Crypt type show, but hosted right. by Freddie. Like he was just like popular as a personality. And so like, it only makes sense that if that's where they see the zeitgeist at the time, that that's what new line kept trying to do with the character. Exactly. And what's really cool and what I love about Wes Craven, and we can talk about this more later, but as that's that right there, what you just said was the whole idea behind new nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I just thought was really cool. They really went super meta and just really explored like the popularity of Freddie as a character. And the whole point of that movie was, Freddie is super popular and he's the best part of this franchise and fans just want to see him. And even though he's dead, we want to see him come back and all that. And that was the whole idea of that movie. And then that was a whole thing by itself. And I just think that's really cool. And I, and it's again, what I, what makes me think that Wes Craven is just one of the most brilliant movie makers of, yeah. of all time. Honestly. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, and speaking of Wes Craven and speaking of the, the progression of Freddie as a character, I think that if I'm thinking about the franchise and the best representative of the franchise as a whole, tonally, and Freddy as a character, I always go to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Tree Warriors, because it's that perfect middle ground between scary Freddy and silly, quippy Freddy. Like, it's the beginning of him being a quippy guy, but not to the point that it annoys you yet. Yeah. (laughs) um, It's great. I think it's perfect. Yeah. I love Dream Warriors. Um, It's a lot of, you know, diehard Nightmare on Elm Street fans will say that it's probably their favorite movie. And it's close. Mm -hmm. I will say it's a close second 
um, because like, it does strike that balance between the scary Freddy Krueger that we've that we still are familiar with at this point versus in- starting to introduce that really goofy, you know, throwing out one-liners and doing all these super like creative like outside the box kills that you wouldn't ever think of. Um, and yeah, I, and I love it. And it, and it brings back Heather Lingenkamp as Nancy. Um, yeah. And uh, it's just, it's just a great movie overall. It's got, you know, and it's got some silly moments where you can kind of start to see that, like I said, and start to see that go into like the sillier part of it, but it, it's, but it's still such a good movie, you know? Yeah. It's so entertaining it, to watch. It's a great story by Wes Craven. Cause he wrote the first draft he co-wrote the first draft i guess yep. of this movie and the way that he kind of brings it back home that he makes it around nancy but also nancy sort of mentoring a bunch of other elm street kids um and then also directed by chuck russell who was such a great is such a like a great visual director has a lot of like just like loves kind of he loves goo he loves kind of like creepy pop imagery like uh he also yeah. did the blob remake and the mask with jim carrey you oh know? Yeah. so like uh and you can see that all over the movie it's a colorful like joyous experience <laughs> you know uh despite the fact that also i think in some ways this is one of the bleakest nightmare on elm street movies because it's about these it all takes place in the psych ward right about mm-hmm. these these kids that are you know, the last remaining kids of Elm Street, basically, of um, whose parents were the ones who took out vigilante justice on Freddy and led to his death, right? Okay. Um, but the way that, like, the, the first death is, like, like, it's this incredible visual death where Freddy's, like, you know, pulling these, uh, this kid's, like, like, uh, veins and arteries out and working him like a puppet, right. It's an amazing sequence, but then like the fact that he then causes him to leap to his death, and then it's about everyone in the psych ward trying to figure out if he if it was a suicide or not, and then how right. much of this movie does deal with like teen suicide and mental health issues, overdose. yeah, yeah, mental health issues. It's quite bleak at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy how much, and again, just a tribute to Wes Craven. It's crazy how much this movie is so dark. And, and bleak but also so fun and mm-hmm. entertaining at the same time um like you, you don't you don't remember like you don't after seeing the movie or thinking back on the movie you don't remember really you don't think back on how bleak and dark it was you think oh that was a really good nightmare on elm street yeah. movie um and yeah but yeah it's it's a lot darker than you realize um, when you think about it definitely um yeah so much about it to love what what sticks out to you is your favorite kill in this movie because i think it has some of the most iconic ones yeah um well that first one the puppet one uh is definitely sticks out in my head because especially specifically because they with that kill they zoom in a lot on like the when they when the gore the, the gore of him yeah. ripping the the veins out of his arm and they zoom in on like his feet like with the tendons ripped out and like the slits along his legs and 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 wrists and stuff like that and it's just and it's like it's honestly that's one of the ones where it's a little bit harder to watch i'm like oh god like i don't know mm-hmm. what it is about it but it's just like it's like damn that that looks rough <laughs> you know? yeah like, yeah um and so the giant one, freddy projected in the sky yeah. as he's working him he, like a puppet and he cuts yeah. the strings and everything yeah it's dark and it's really good and 
for for this movie waiting so long to kill someone i think it's like half an hour into the movie when this yeah. happens um it totally pays off um and you're like wow that's crazy and then it just and it just you know ramps up from there um another one is um the i can't remember her name but the girl who's a, a, a drug user when uh it's her time to yeah. die and Freddy taryn and yeah. Freddie turns his finger knives into into syringes and injects her into those like m- like mouth holes on oh, her arms. So gross, it's so nasty, and yeah. he just does that. And again, her it's super, marks, yeah, it's super dark, you know, because she has this tr- this problem with drug overdose that she's trying or, or drug using that she's trying to overcome and uh, trying to be sober and everything. And then Freddie just uses that against her, and he's like, "Yeah, you want drugs? I know you do." And then just fucking right. kills her and overdoses her, and it's like again just super dark but it like also fun at the same time it's crazy right. that one i love that one too That's and i mean one. it's it's a testament to freddy as a character that he's he's more cruel than anything he's very cruel yeah he 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 enjoys the the irony of how he's killing you and the way that he taunts yeah. you more than he enjoys killing itself like um and so yeah i love that and uh uh that's an iconic moment yeah when his knife fingers turn to syringes and i mean that's just there's so much we didn't even talk about just like it's one of those things we take for granted but freddie is a character like the guy in the christmas sweater with the fedora with knife fingers on a glove like Mm -hmm. like, who the hell thought of that like what an insane combination of things that were just kind of like oh yeah that's at this point like freddie's such a huge part of pop culture we're like oh yeah that's just who he is like right like, like you just you see that and you're like oh yeah it's the iconic freddie costume the fedora the gloves the 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 sweater um and it's like that's just probably something they threw together when they made the first movie you know what right. i mean like i don't think they put that i don't know but i don't think they put that much thought into like oh this is going to be an iconic outfit right. you know what i mean this is going to be an iconic outfit for an iconic character they're just like let's make this movie and then right now that michael myers mask was just like a spray painted captain kirk mask like nobody right. thought like, oh we're gonna make the next big iconic thing yeah and, and, and that's how you make an iconic thing it seems like most of the time this is kind of by accident <laughs> yeah yeah and the same thing i think the same thing happened with friday the 13th as well it's it's all over the place man where they just you yeah. know they just had they had a, a a killer and then they're like oh well let's have the killer's son in the next movie and then they gave him a mask and just for funsies and then all of a sudden that's like that. that's that's it the thing now like let's that's... have him put on this character's hockey mask and then suddenly that's what he looks like that's just exactly you know um, it's something that like they don't that yeah it happens a lot and they just don't when they're doing it when they're coming up with these ideas for for different kills or characters or moments and stuff like that they don't i don't think they really realize how much of an impact it's going to have in the future and now we get these iconic killers with these iconic outfits and looks yeah. and whatnot it's crazy well, and so part of also i think what really works about dream warriors is that it in terms of it doing new things it is I think it does a really good job with characters. Like the character work is really well done. I like, I love Nancy and how they expand on her as a character, um, how they make her a stronger character because of her experience in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of her relationship with the doctor, uh, the main doctor character. Yeah, La- Lawrence Fishburne there too. Yeah. Uh, and then like all of the kids are very well defined. Like I, um, like oh, who's the one, uh, the, uh, like the most iconic one is um, the black kid. Um, oh, uh, Kincaid. Kincaid. He's incredible. Yeah. He's so he's good. Great. Like he's great. And then uh, Patricia Arquette, her first movie is sort of the the sort of the lead in the movie besides Nancy. 
and she's really great too. And they just, they're all like, they're giving good performances. They're all well-defined. And then the, maybe in one of the ways that this is one of the more fun movies, it's like, it's almost a superhero movie. Like the title dream bit. warriors is about yeah. our main crew. And when they go into the dreams, they all have these alter egos. They're like, and right. that's where it gets these really silly superpowers or whatever yeah. that are just kind of, it's, it's fun. Cause I didn't think about it until I was rewatching these, these, the kill counts and everything. Cause you just think, Oh yeah, it's cool. You, they get their superpowers, whatever. But like, it's, they're not like one person's superpower is like acrobatics. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Kincaid's oh, that he's strong. He's like slightly stronger than yeah. the normal person. Yeah. But then like um, one guy's magic. Like one yeah. guy's like, I'm a magic dark lord of elves or some shit. Like, right. he's, like he's like a D&D nerd. So they just let him. That's his yeah. thing. But yeah, and then you also get the one kid who um, who is mute. Like he can't speak. And then he has this moment at the end where he speaks. And yeah. that's his thing, you know. <laughs> also like, horny. He's super horny. And he's very horny. He's horny, and now he can talk where he couldn't before. That's there's never power. been a sadder moment in film history than when he's about to get it on with the hot nurse, and it's just Freddie. And it's <laughs> like, Freddie. Yeah. I'm like, I feel so the most the most confusing yeah. boner I've ever had watching a movie. <laughs> right. Uh the first moment of nudity in the whole franchise, also. Yeah. Besides uh man ass in uh the second movie. That's true. Oh yeah, there's plenty yeah. of man ass. <laughs> that's <laughs> movie. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, but I, I uh, yeah, interesting scene. I did look it up. He was not a child when they filmed that scene. He was a 20 year old man who looks like he's 15. Uh, wow, <laughs> the character. Um, but yeah, no, I love the love this one. I love the climax. It is appropriately silly with Freddy's skeleton coming to life. And yeah, um, I also do really like they get into Freddy's backstory with which is gruesome like the the yeah. concept of all the prisoners that you know attacked freddie's mother who was a nun and yeah you know the he's like what the son of a thousand maniacs or something yeah he's like the bastards yeah the bastard son of a hundred maniacs or something yeah. like that um, um it's crazy it's very right. it's very dark and it's something that they explore here and there um yeah. They 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 skip over it in the in the next the fourth movie, but then they revisit it in the fifth and sixth movies, and it's very, um, well the fifth movie I guess, um, and it's it's very, uh, I feel like it could have been better if they had explored it in a better movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. The way they explore it is like is somewhat interesting, but also the the movie surrounding that one, which we'll get to later, is is very silly um yeah it, it it teases like it's something it gets to something more about freddy that's like not only was he, is he just a supernatural entity who was a child murderer there's something about him from his very conception that's evil you evil, know yeah um and uh like the the gang rape of a nun is seems like the single most evil thing that could ever happen yeah in history. so it's like of course that's where freddy came from yeah right no it, it honestly seems like like they were like Wes Craven was trying to come up with like okay we need to come up with an origin story for for Freddy what's the most what's the absolutely most evil thing that could ever yeah. happen uh yeah. in history yeah um and that and like that's where I'm like yeah that sounds like the guy who made last house on the left is right the guy who, who thinks about that idea right. um but yeah no I, I I mean it's incredible and I do I kind of like it's kind of corny but I like the story of like Freddie's mom basically being a ghost helping out the main characters and yeah. um, delivering that backstory. And I like the way they kill Nancy at the end heroically. Yeah. Um, and her dad a little unheroically. <laughs> a little, yeah. John a little Saxon unceremoniously. Turned. Yeah. John it was just like thrown against a, uh, a car and impaled. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but then uh, the fourth movie happens, and the fourth fourth movie for me is I'm assuming for you too is just kind of where it's like, like I think the fourth movie's solid, but also kind of the moment where it starts to go downhill. Yeah, for sure. It's 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 a movie that I enjoy watching. Um, it's it's fun, but it's you can definitely tell that they're they're starting to kind of lose uh, lose focus, you know. And it's just kind of like it's all going to downhill from there. Um, yeah. I almost forgot one of the most iconic moments of the third movie. Before we move on, real quick, uh, is the the infamous uh, kill followed by the line from Freddy, where right. he picks up the one girl who wants to be an actress, and he sh- and he <laughs> says. Welcome to primetime, bitch, and shoves her head into the TV screen. Yeah, yeah. That's, I almost forgot about that. I can't believe I almost Ad-lib forgot about that. Ad lib by Robert England. Ad lib. The only line yeah. ad lib by Robert England. And it's one of the most, if not the most iconic line that he says in the whole entire franchise. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite character traits of Freddie in general is that he calls everyone bitch, but also yes. that he, yeah, welcome to primetime, bitch. I feel like is the most, I mean, they even quote it again in Freddie's set. That's how, yeah, as just a on screen, just quote, yeah. <laughs> like they have like a Nietzsche quote and then it's, <laughs> Followed up by welcome to right, prime right. time, bitch. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but also, yeah. but that that whole kill is funny too because it's preceded by a moment of her watching Dick Cavett interviewing Zaza Gabor, and yep. and then like it turns out Dick Cavett is Freddie, and he's just like nobody yep. gives a fuck, bitch. And then it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's such a good cameo. Um, it's great. I'm Mike. And I'm Allison. We've both been guests on We Are Movies before. We love talking movies with Johnny. But I'm a jealous boy. You are. That's why we've decided to talk movies with, with each other. We started our own podcast called You, you Made, made me, me Watch. Each week we make each other watch a movie the other has never seen. You Made Me Watch. New episodes every Friday. But yeah, four, four is like, I mean, there, so you get a little bit more of Kincaid and The Quiet Kid, but a little bit uh played by the same actors unfortunately die very early on that's one thing where it's just like i don't know this kind of gets into my general thing the sort of the i think what is sort of the the weird fatalistic thing about slasher franchises that i never really like is that's that you're never gonna win even if you win at the end of one movie you're still not safe you're not making it past the next one probably um And then, unfortunately, Roseanne Arquette's character, who is recast, uh, not played by Roseanne Arquette in the fourth one, also dies. There is a moment I do like with her where, though, her mom, like, because her mom drugs her to make her fall asleep because nobody, like, believes that there's a problem. And so she drugs Mm. her to make her fall asleep. And I like that right before she falls asleep and she realizes she's been drugged. She's like, like, way to go, mom. You killed me. Like, there's just kind of like, she even, (laughs) or she already understands that she's about to die and she's just pissed about it. And her mom, um, but yeah, then, and then we kill her off and then we have a new heroine. Like, it's like all the last of the Elm Street kids are dead. So now we're just like, ah, we're moving on. Moving on. Our dream warriors are all, all that was left of them (laughs) are are gone. Just, Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that, what I, I will yeah. say that always bothered me too. Um, what you mentioned about that just in general, but like with that movie, it's like I enjoyed the movie overall, but just seeing those characters just being killed so suddenly, yeah, right at the beginning of the first act of the movie, it's like, oh man, all right, well, I mean, I guess we need new characters, but like, yeah, it's just, yeah, well, I've always thought like the Scream franchise is a good example of this, it's okay to maintain protagonists. Yeah throughout the franchise it's okay to keep having the same person to root for like for sure you know like obviously i'm not opposed to killing people in sequels but like it is just some kind of nice to have that through line 
it um, is and scream is a really good example speaking of west craven uh is a really good example of how to of of uh yeah how to keep um old characters while still introducing new and interesting sometimes interesting characters yeah. um in, in in the franchise and still being able to like have like a new cast of people while also having the same heroes to root for as well it's it's possible yeah. and and Wes Craven did it every time he made a Nightmare on Elm Street movie too with you're right I, I don't fact. think it's a coincidence that yeah exactly he made all the screen movies and maintained that same that you know some of the the same main characters and every time he made a Nightmare on Elm Street movie he had to come back to certain people um to, yeah yeah and uh yeah so there's not honestly there's not a whole lot I have to say about the fourth movie I think the the kill I always remember is the bug kill yeah uh, the girl who likes to work out a lot and we know that because she keeps <laughs> saying it uh and then the moment yeah then she also hates bugs so then she turns into yeah. a bug and then which Freddy... is like i i think they t- they reference one time like in the beginning of the movie when they introduce her character she's like yeah. eating a bag of chips and there's a bug on a chip and she's like ew and she throws it and stomps <laughs> on it right and, and I, that's the only time that we ever see her hate bugs and then <laughs> she gets turned into a cockroach and squished by freddy krueger later and we never um, see her work out too it's just always like yeah, ah, no. you work out a lot They're like <laughs> ah man what do you uh, spend all your time exercising and she's right. like, yeah and then finally we see her exercising and she's like doing a terrible job of it too <laughs> right it's like and then it's, uh, yeah <laughs> it's weird too because like she's she makes it very close to the end and it's like because the main character's brother dies and it's kind of like at that point when it gets to the third act you're like there's no connection between these characters because none of the important people are left it's just like a Mm -hmm. bunch of side characters are left uh and uh but i do love as a general lover of setup and payoff i always like the early parts of a nightmare movie that's like this is an obvious setup for how this person's gonna die (laughs) like right uh yeah uh, it was always kind of fun but yeah i like that freddie squishes her in the bug uh and yeah it's fun and it's another it's one of those it's it's an instance in this movie where um the movie itself is interesting because it's it's a very poorly written movie yeah yeah but it's got (laughs) some of the best special effects like practical effects in the entire franchise honestly yeah um including that scene um starting off strong with freddie pushing down on the 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 bar the yeah uh, that she's like working out with and like and her and, like, arms popping her yeah her arms popping like up. popping and yeah, yeah it's it's crazy it's insane and then just from there it's just with the with the bug legs sprouting out and she's and a little like, cut away to her arm falling on the falling ground, off like, and everything yeah 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 no that's great like it's, it's a well really good movie. yeah uh, general like uh, a lot of these movies benefit from the direction and um that's definitely the case here and then i also like uh um I forgot what else I was going to say, but I do like, <laughs> I like that part. Um, it, it's a, it's like a solid movie, but it's just kind of, it, it reeks of like, we didn't know what to do. So we're just doing one more, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's very, it's, it definitely suffers from, from lack of, I don't know, inspiration, I, I guess. Again, like the kills yeah. themselves are very creative, but it's, it's more yeah. like uh, a lot of the times it's like, oh we need to theme these these kills um 
based on these characters' traits, but the characters' traits are very shoehorned in. Yeah. You know, like uh, the girl with the glasses and a and an inhaler comes up and she's like the nerdy girl. She's the nerd um, and she can't breathe well because she has and an she inhaler. can't breathe well. So then a scene later she dies because Freddie sucks all the breath out of her lungs. I do you like the I mean? effect there where Freddie's like, What a suck face, and then he just yeah. sucks all the air all the air out of her. Up. And again, yeah. that that body that it's it's freaky looking, you know, of, of yeah. her like shriveled up and on all that stuff. Um, and then her choking in real life in class, um, or right. whatever is yeah, it's it's cool, but again, it's just very the writing surrounding the cool kills and the Freddy Krueger moments is just like it's questionable, yeah. and it's one of those things where you can see it's like all right, yeah, they're they're not they don't care as much. Well, and going straight from Dream Warriors to the Dream Master, which is this one, it, it, right? You that decrease in that stark decrease in how well defined the characters are goes away, like or like you can just yeah. see how clear it is where it's like these are not fleshed out characters like they were previously you don't really get any time with them besides oh they don't like bugs and a person says they work out like that's you know it's all you get and um so it's the definition of just kind of like mid-tier slasher sequel of like sure why not i guess we're doing more and if we are it could be worse (laughs) like there's still good i also has the soul food gag in it i think oh yeah that's an iconic one i love it's a pizza with all their souls on it and calls it soul food that's a good yeah (laughs) it's a good line Um, i like it Fifth one, I think three, four, five, and six is the perfect example of I think the movie is getting a little worse with each one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah it, it's <laughs> one of those things where I honestly, and even thinking now, I literally watched like, re, like the, you know, like recounts of the of the movies right. like this morning. Shout out to James Janice. Yeah, Dead Meat, shout out, favorite YouTube channel, honestly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just watched those videos today and I already, again, have to think about, <laughs> wait, which kills happened in which movies and which characters were in which ones. Right. It's They they all get muddled together for well, me. Um, I always remember five is the dream child because now we're following the main character of this previous movie, the one who was left alive. Yeah. Uh, uh, she and her boyfriend. Uh, and then her boyfriend dies early on and she's pregnant with his baby. And actually there's an idea here that I do kind of like, which is that Freddie is staying alive through the dreams of the fetus that's mm-hmm. inside of her that I feel like that deserves much more. Cause that's actually an incredible idea. It's <laughs> very, it's very interesting. And when you watch it, you're like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see that the inception of it in the movie is awful. Um, but <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like how it comes to, to be how it plays out in the movie is very questionable, but um yeah, yeah, no, you're right. The, I, I always thought it was really interesting and intriguing, the idea itself that Freddy is kind of reborn through the, the main character being pregnant. Um, yeah. And uh, we find out that he's doing all this. And, and it's almost kind of like a mystery because it's like, wait, how is he coming back? We he, He's killing people and nobody's even asleep, you know, and how is this happening? And then you realize it's because the, the the unborn baby can can dream and that's like oh wow okay the realization yeah. is like oh wow that's that's cool it's almost kind of like a, like a it's like a cool pop, plot twist and then it just all goes downhill from there <laughs> and, and, yeah yeah and to the movie's credit to the the string of three four or five there is a decent job being done of expanding on the rules of the previous movie in a way that kind of makes sense where it's it's established in the previous ones that you can suck people into your dreams and so right. Then in this one, like we established, the baby has dreams. He uses the baby's dreams to pull people into the baby's dreams or the, in the fetus's dreams to yeah. kill them. Uh, by the way, 
I wonder if I can only imagine this movie probably has some sort of like a like a conservative fan base because as like a, a, a pro life testament, <laughs> the fetus can dream. <laughs> oh like, God! Even maybe if I hate this movie. Oh right. <laughs> even even if even if your fetus is the the single uh the, the like the single beacon of an evil killer of uh, murdering children in the real world, it's still worth saving. That's yeah. that's what they're trying. I to would do. I would like to see a conservative uh, politician use use that movie and as incredible. a reference to to argue for um, against abortion. That would be That'd a be Republican great. after my own heart if they decided <laughs> to pull this movie out. I, I do like, uh, I genuinely, there's one element of the movie that I find kind of touching and that's when she's talking about how like she still wants to keep the baby because it's all she has left of her boyfriend and like that is kind of sweet like that's kind of it's something sweeter than you'd expect from a movie like this that there is that aspect of like this 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 baby's part him and she wants to preserve him too um yeah and that's like i don't know it's just kind of like a nice moment it's one of the things that stuck with me where like so much of the rest of the movie is so like eh you know like you got the the raptor kid from jurassic park showing up as the the dream version of her baby <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but, and, and it's weird but yeah no it's yeah I, I do remember that moment or that that aspect of the movie being a more yeah just heart like touching moment and because in the previous i mean in the previous movie uh when it establishes their relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend he's like a good boyfriend you know what i mean like yeah. he's he's like a good guy and he's like he like he's not what you would expect from like a horror movie boyfriend where he's just like totally dismissive of everything and like he's like honestly kind of gets like angry at her sometimes because she's acting crazy or whatever you know like or just being a douchebag that that happens a lot and that's what you come to expect from horror movies um especially slashers but um he's actually like a good guy and like a genuinely cool dude and a good boyfriend and then um so it's that much more heartbreaking when she's talking about wanting to keep the baby and when he dies um in the movie um which i uh is one of the cooler deaths in the movie i like that scene I, I like really how long like it. it goes on for. It's like a whole action scene. It's it's a very drawn out like sort there's of the thing. the truck scene and then he gets on a motorcycle and yeah. <laughs> there's so the much. Motorcycles like fusing with him yeah, and then it's, you see it's, Freddy's face made out of like the wires and metal oh, and stuff like that. It's like David Cronenberg the way that it's like yeah, yeah it's all like fusing with his body. It reminded me of um like Tetsuo the Iron Man like it's so yeah. gross seeing like the machine become part of him before he dies uh that's yeah it's that's what i'm talking about where it's like even the worst movies of this there's those moments where like oh that's really cool like in isolation that death is there's so much imagination and thought put into it obviously the practical effects are incredible um and honestly like i think this is the last before we get to freddy's dead like this is the last one where like i still think i lean positive in general because there's enough that i enjoy about it yeah i i still i i still enjoy the movie and i and i i say it's still one of the it's still a i think it's the last like good movie as far as like enjoying just the movie for what it is as a nightmare on elm street movie it's not good but it's like as far as nightmare on elm street movies goes it's definitely in the in the positives for me yeah Um, it's it's in that tier and uh has solid moments scattered throughout there's only a few deaths but i think all the deaths are pretty solid um and then i do kind of like the the climax with this like sort of like uh this like german expressionist 
staircase that's like on top of each other and oh like, yeah <laughs> the, the context of the climax is weird it doesn't really make any sense because freddie turns oh. into a baby and i do like the weird ugly freddie baby it's kind of funny uh, <laughs> that crawls into the sweater and she's like you know like he, he, he like sneaks in the sweater and then he pops up and goes it's a boy like i do like <laughs> yeah. that that's fun. Like it's like it's another sure why not. Like okay, yeah. If we're if we're on the exactly movie, fuck it, do it. The whole the whole third act of this movie is just like you know what? All right, sure. Yeah. You're watching it and you have no idea what's going on. It's all very confusing. <laughs> you're watching it and it feels like you're on acid, and it's like yeah. all right, sure. But you know what? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much you want to say about Freddy's Dead: The Final Night. <laughs> Freddy's Dead is oh boy. Um, somehow not the worst movie in the franchise, um, but yes, it, in my personal opinion, but it's, it's at this point in the series, if we're just talking about the movies we've talked about so far, it's the worst one so far. And yeah. it's, it's definitely say, a low point. It's, excluding the remake. It's the worst one. Yeah, like, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, it's Freddie is at his all time goofiest in a way yeah. that's not entertaining anymore it's kind of just like the joke has gotten old um, yeah and it's like it's it's always like sometimes it's like the gimmick isn't enough sometimes what matters is the timing and how it's executed and the way he like puts a guy into a video game and just makes him jump around and then he falls through a hole and dies like the concept of putting a guy in a video game that's not terrible you can do that but just like it's like it feels so lazy the way it's, it's it does yeah because the way they do and it's so drawn out to the point where you're like okay yeah, we've seen all these like super weird like effects of like this dude like jumping around and like cartoon like noises happening like boing boing you know and like all this weird yeah, stuff yeah. and you're at least expect something like crazy or cool to happen when he actually dies but he just falls down a hole right. and it's like <laughs> all right what was the point of all that you know this is also the one that i feel like is kind of actually trying to be a comedy like unabashedly where i think so yeah the the, the town of springwood has no children left Freddie killed all the yeah, miners. which is a crazy fucking idea. That literally all of the children in this town are just gone, just right. dead. Freddie's done his job. He's killed all of them. There's only adults <laughs> left, and all the adults are fucking weird. And like right. Roseanne of, Barr and yeah, and, uh, Tom Arnold cameo as parents yeah. looking for kids. <laughs> um, it's crazy. It's, it's it's strange. And there's a I think if there's any positive I'd say about it, it's that you do get the most it's the most that Robert England gets to do. Cause you do get a couple solid flashbacks of like Freddie before he was a ghost. And, mm-hmm. and so like, I don't know, there's like, okay, if you're going to give me anything, that's fine. But yeah, so much of the rest of the movie is just like, whatever. And it also has the worst effects. It, yeah. It relies the most on like opticals and stuff mm-hmm. and not as many visual effects or not as many practical effects. Yeah. It's got it a lot worse. more CG, especially with those fucking weird uh, dream demon <laughs> things. Wait, oh my what god! Are they thinking? <laughs> I don't know. The yeah. whole concept of when I, I hate like again, like you said, I like the idea of exploring a little bit of like like uh Freddy Krueger's backstory, seeing him like uh interact with like his his like wife and like finding out he has a daughter and the daughter's like the main character. That part I think is kind of interesting. But when it has the part where he's like dying or like he's he's burned alive and the dream demons approach him and they're like, We can offer you eternal life through being yeah. a, I want it all. <laughs> right, exactly. That's it gets to that part, and it's like, all right, all right. I, I didn't need, need to see that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it's not oh. necessary. Like we didn't need to know about all that stuff. It's just I'm, I was fine just accepting that Freddy Krueger is a demon that haunts your dreams, and that's all I needed to know. Yeah. I didn't need you to like show me these weird CG faces that possess him or whatever. I don't even know. It's, it's the equivalent of, and I'm sure one day we'll do the Halloween franchise, but it's yeah. the equivalent of Halloween Six saying like Michael was actually given his powers by an evil cult with magic, and it's just kind of like what? Why yeah. did I need it? Like we, he we was scary the explanation it. yeah yeah um but i i do i'll be honest 100 percent honest i kind of like when he dies in the movie uh i don't like the effect of when he dies but i like his daughter i like the concept of his daughter stabbing him with his own glove yeah and then his last words being him looking at the camera and going kids like i, I think that's it's very of- it is very fitting for freddy krueger for yeah. his death for his seemingly like official like death canonically um, it's his death unless canonically Freddy yeah. versus jason i guess where he sort of comes back but i yeah, yeah that one's i i feel like that movie is considered a little bit more of outside it's outside the canon because that's like a crossover thing you know I, yeah I know. um but yeah like you know you know you're right canonically this is the this movie um is the last movie in the like that timeline i guess of of how we first established the character and whatever yeah um because from then on, we have a, a very meta real life movie, a crossover, right. and then a reboot. So, well, and that's one of my yeah. favorite things about this is that when Bob Shea, who's the head of New Line, was like, We got to bring Freddie back. We got to go back to that cash cow. He gets Wes Craven. He's like, Let's get the OG guy, the guy who started this. Yeah. Like, let's get him to do it. And Wes apparently went back, watched all of the movies since three. Yeah. And was like, what am I supposed to do with this <laughs> shit? Like, it was just so, it was so much. And he felt that exhaustion of like, there's so much it's all a mess at this point and you made a joke out of freddy and then you killed freddy in a silly way the only thing i can do is make a movie about that about like yeah. the concept of what freddy is conceptually and what you did to him <laughs> like yeah it's yeah it's him getting out his frustrations it feels like as a movie yeah it, it, it yeah it definitely is and i think i think he had this I- idea sort of um earlier on yeah. Um, before being approached by this, but then it was one of those, yeah, it was one of those things where he saw those movies and he was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> uh, and then he, yeah, and he just went for it and decided to make a a very very meta kind of a kind of what almost seems like a first draft of Scream uh, in some aspects. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, Wes Craven's clearly a guy with a sense of humor. Like even yeah. before this, he didn't like People Under the Stairs, a movie that you and I watched together. Yep, um, and which has a clear sense of humor and, and, right. and social commentary to it too um and stuff like that and so like in this movie also you can kind of feel the through line of like his sense of humor his sort of snarky like he's an intellectual guy he um very intelligent if you watch interviews and stuff with him and you can see some of that and then it leads directly into what eventually was scream uh you can understand why he was so attracted to kevin Williamson's script with scream because he's already getting at those ideas in new nightmare um just like culturally what is a slasher icon you know what is right. like and the idea of like there's something cabin cabin in the woods-esque too where in cabin in the woods um that like the gods these evil gods that demand the same thing to happen over and over again are just the audience demanding the same slasher movies again yeah it's the way that uh freddie is an evil entity that we must keep at bay by continuing to make movies about him forever is so like i i love that conceptually because it also that's such an irate uh perspective for a filmmaker to be like i feel like i'm just it's something i need to keep doing 
to keep evil at bay. <laughs> yeah. So just keep making these fucking movies. Like exactly. I I love that, and uh, I do like. Uh, I love everything. I love Heather Langenkamp is great playing herself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, fictionalized think- version of herself. Yeah, she's she's great. It's definitely. I mean, you can tell she's not doing. She's not doing Nancy. She's doing. Uh, I I don't say she's being exactly herself because again, it's a fictionalized version of herself. But it's a different character, you know, while also yeah. being in the same, you know, like, like still her knowing that, she, you know, she, that that character. So her character is so iconic right. and being able to harken back to that, especially later on in the movie when she has to kind of become that character again. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, I, and she she performs that transition well of playing yeah. Caroline Camp and then playing Nancy. Um, and then also the fact that they went as far as to actually have a fictionalized version of her real husband, where it, yeah. he doesn't have the same name as her husband, but her real husband is a is like a uh, a special effects guy, and yeah. that's what her husband does in this movie, and they kill him in the first act of the movie too, uh, which is so ballsy. And then like, but then also you got Robert England who plays himself playing Freddy Krueger, and then himself, and then he plays the evil entity that's Freddy Krueger. So the most yeah. diverse Robert England performance you ever see yeah. in the movie too. And it's the um, one that, and he, and he has said that it was so his that, favorite movie. So yeah. It was, it's the movie that he said was his favorite to work on and to do. Um, and I would say probably because he got to play pretty much three different characters. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really cool. And I, and I love him for that. Yeah. Um, what, what what do you think about like the appearance of people playing themselves like that Wes Craven plays himself and uh and Bob Shea the head of New Line <laughs> even plays himself um, I like it I I I, th- I think it's a cool idea I I don't think it would have been the same movie if they had had actors coming in to play yeah Wes Craven or Bob Shea or if if they had wanted to yeah, do it, that yeah it works you know having I mean? Wes play Yeah, it, it feels meaningful too at this point in the franchise to have the two of them playing themselves. And uh, Wes Craven also, especially like the way that he's kind of portrayed as like the guy who knows everything. He's like the Oracle in the Matrix. He's just like, yeah, this is it. This is what Freddy is. This is what we got to do. We got to keep making movies. And the way that like he's asking Heather Langenkamp to play Nancy one last time, like it's meta on top of meta because he's asking her to play her one last time literally in the movie that he's making but also he's basically asking her to fight freddy one more time like in real life right and then he's also on top of that Wes craven actually asked heather langenkamp to play nancy one last time in the making of this movie and then the, that scene happening cut to the script he's writing which is that exact conversation they just had complete yeah. with a fade to black like it, it's so funny it's so it is and it's very um just the the whole thing it's just it, it gets more meta as you as you keep on watching the movie um it's just the stuff i don't know the stuff that they do with it and again just a credit to west craven and how like and how much of a just creative genius he is when it comes to this kind of stuff yeah. he's I, I just i i i love him for it and um only he could do the seventh movie of a horror franchise and make it the freshest installment out of all of them. Yeah. Like just really think about a, a brand new perspective to go from. And um, I do like, I mean, if there's any downfall to the movie, it's that it, I feel like the third act is almost the weakest just because it is the most like a nightmare movie. 
right. it's just kind of like well feels like we're kind of back to doing the same old thing again like they do give that updated look to freddie which i'm kind of mm-hmm. like i'll take it or leave it i don't quite there's no real reason in the movie for why freddie looks different it just yeah. seems like they just wanted to do something different with them to kind of differentiate and say okay this isn't the same freddie that we know from the movies this is an evil entity right yeah they don't really give a reason in the movie for yeah for him looking different it's just the fact that it's not actually technically freddy it's just like a demon that's taking the form of freddy um so yeah Yeah. like you said it's just giving him that extra different look to i guess just like tell you like oh yeah it's not actually freddy technically um but yeah so the third act does fall a little bit into what you've come to expect from nightmare on elm street third acts um which it's not i don't think it's bad but it it definitely is the weakest part of the movie um but then you get that contrasted with moments um that are really good like when the um the the babysitter or the girl who's looking after son she gets killed in the hospital room uh in the same way that tina from the first movie got killed where she's like dragged up onto the ceiling and cut across the chest and all that or whatever and um and it's really well done. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's not an exact like, like remade shot for shot of the original kill, but it's like a, it's like a, um, it's like a callback to it, like an homage to it. And, and it's really well done. And it's really cool the way they, they, they do that. I think. Yeah. There are a lot of cute little homages, like the screw your pass moment and, yeah, you know, all, all that stuff. Like it's, it's, it's cute and it's not overbearing. It's like, it's not star Wars rogue wanting it, where it's just like, here's things you like it's recontextualizing it and it's almost kind of making fun of the whole concept of redoing things that you like too exactly Uh, yeah but yeah uh just i love the movie i definitely don't think it's as quite as clever as something like scream like i think oh no it it definitely feels like it's you can see the evolution from this to scream Um, right but at the if you're binging the nightmare movies it's so refreshing to get to it is yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, what what a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah, you get to that one after the 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 well the nightmare, I guess that was Freddy's dead. Um yeah. and um you know, and after seeing the movies just go downhill from yeah. Dream Warriors into just whatever the fuck Freddy's dead was. Um <laughs> and then seeing the new nightmare, it's really it feels like an, I mean it's very appropriately titled a new nightmare. It's very feel it feels very fresh, very new in the in the um the series the franchise there um and then and then we have to go back to shit after that <laughs> well at least i mean so we probably won't talk about it that much because we talked about it in the friday the 13th episode but yeah uh freddie versus jason we're both moderate fans i think yeah i like it it's i think it's fun i i definitely prefer watching that over you know, freddie's dead um yeah um yeah. i prefer it over some of the worst friday movies too um, yeah for sure like it's 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 just it's the definition of a eh, just give the people what they want like it's just kind of a general popcorn like you throw it on at a sleepover in the background at a halloween party or something exactly <laughs> yeah it's a very good i actually when i rewatched it before we did the friday the 13th episode um i had found um i had been re- i had been watching friday the 13th movies all day because i kind of fallen <laughs> behind and we were about to film the episode like the next day or a couple days after and i was like just trying to binge all of them and at that point i think i'd watched like three friday the 13th movies already um and i got to friday versus jason and i remember going to the store and buying some some beer or something <laughs> and i was like i just gotta i gotta drink through this and i found online a drinking game that you can play while you're watching freddy versus jason oh nice 
where you can choose Freddy or Jason, and then based on who you choose, you have to drink a certain number of times. Like whenever <laughs> Freddy kills someone, whenever Jason kills someone, or whenever they like he has a quip or stuff like that. Yeah, it's so it's it's really great, honestly. I, that I was like that would be fun to play with friends if you were having like a yes. Halloween party. Uh, <laughs> put that on and 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 have a drinking game. I think that'd be fun. Uh, but that's really what that movie is for. It's for it's for drinking and eating popcorn and seeing freddy two horror icons fight each other yeah um, which is definitely the best part of the movie i think is that third act um and fascinating them. that in 2003 too like the last yeah. time that that robert england played freddy um and still kills it like it has that moment that camille nanjiani has a great bit about where he's about to he has a choice between killing a black girl and a white girl and he goes like fresh meat dark <laughs> meat and in camille nanjiani's <laughs> yeah. bit he always described that as like people in the audience groaned like they were disappointed in Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't oh, want my man. child mur- murder to be a bigot. <laughs> to be racist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's a, that, that's a good mo- moment. Um, it, it, I, one thing I do like about it, especially I think that maybe if there's anything to add to it this time around is that I noticed more things that it has that connects to specifically Nightmare 3. Because it returns to the psych ward from Nightmare Three, yeah, yep, um, Dream Warriors, and it also returns, even though it's like kind of a gross CGI version. We get Freddy is that slug again, that giant yep. slug, <laughs> which is kind of cute. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of cute, and it's it's a little it's a fun little moment because it's like it's terrible CGI. It looks awful, yeah. but it's a it's a little cute little Freddy slug, and he's and he's uh, uh, ripping a bong with like the stoner character, right. and and it's kind of like you know like you know he's about to die, and the CGI looks so bad, but you're sitting there and you're like. Man, that kind of looks fun. I kind of want to. Yeah. I kind of want to smoke weed with Freddy Worm. You know? I want to, dude. Dream blunt rotation, Freddy Worm, <laughs> and the Leprechaun in Leprechaun yes. in the Hood. <laughs> from the hood. Yep. A friend yeah. with weed is a friend indeed. <laughs> right. uh, but um, they, dude, they would they would be unbelievable quips back and forth, the two of them. Just, yeah. Oh my like, goodness. The Leprechaun doing rhymes and freddy calling him a bitch that would just that's be... what that's what we really need i don't yeah. need freddy we got freddy versus jason now we need freddy versus leprechaun and two great actors robert england and warwick davis get them together make it happen yep. um i uh yeah so that's pretty much i think all i have to say about freddy versus jason we've, we've talked about it quite yeah a bit, but uh shout out ronnie you we love him as a director he yep. also did Bri- uh, bride of chucky <laughs> so yep. we're fans of his um i probably don't want to spend too much time, time talking about it but I, I i i strongly dislike the nightmare on elm street remake oh boy <laughs> <laughs> the nightmare when i watched the nightmare on elm street remake i finished watching that movie and i said to myself i think this is solidly the worst movie i've ever seen and Maybe okay, maybe not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's my most disliked movie. Like I hate this movie yeah. more than any other movie. And since then, <laughs> that has been surpassed by um The Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but that's still a close, a close second there is is the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. I there's not really much to like about it at all, honestly. Yeah, it's interesting. It was produced by Michael Bay's company, Platinum Dunes, mm-hmm. uh, without any consultation with Wes Craven which is incredible yeah Um, and I think if you look at the difference between this movie and the Hills Have Eyes remake in which Wes Craven was a producer and actually had a lot of say in it you can see the clear difference between what happens when you consult Wes Craven and when you don't yeah Uh, because that's a great movie that remake of the Hills Have Eyes but 
uh platinum dunes kind of like they were at this era where they were just remaking a lot of the classics they did friday the 13th which we've both said that we're kind of fans of that movie i love that movie yeah honestly. I, I like that one too um and then uh even their their texas chainsaw remake has quite a few fans a lot of people like that one. i didn't mind it i actually yeah. watched it before i saw the original uh because i was with a bunch of friends and they were like let's just watch something and we the the remake was on netflix we watched it yeah. and I was like, I don't, I don't mind this. This is pretty cool. And then I watched the original and I, I I'm thinking like probably going back to the remake after watching the original, I probably wouldn't like it as much, but it's not bad. Like it's, it's not, solid. It, it's a solid movie, honestly. And the fact um, that we can admit that and still say this movie's a piece of shit. That means <laughs> like, that means a lot. That means like, exactly. We're not just yeah. against remakes conceptually at all. It's like, no. I, I have a I have a, a, a very open mind in general. And yeah. when it comes to remakes, a lot of people just like automatically just remakes are going to be bad. I'm not going to watch it or I'm not going to expect. And I usually have pretty low expectations coming into remakes, depending on who's behind it or 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 right. what they're remaking, because sometimes there's certain things that just don't need to be remade. Um, and Gosh, there are so many good actors, too. In yeah, the like you've got Connie Britton as the mom character, uh, Katie Cassidy. Uh, who at this point was doing a lot of horror remakes. I'm a big fan of the Black Christmas remake, which maybe mm-hmm. we'll one day I talk about. But uh, <laughs> that, and yeah. then also uh, Jackie Early, Jackie Earl Haley is Freddy Krueger. Yeah, he's a great actor. Um, and then in the lead role as Nancy is Rooney Mara, who it's on record that Rooney Mara almost quit acting after doing this movie because she hated the experience so much. Meaning this movie, if there's any reason to hate this movie, it's that it almost stopped us from getting Rooney Mara as an actress like yeah you don't get any of her performances after this movie if it had been a little bit worse of an experience yep. um but yeah i pretty bad all around i can't really think of anything i like about it i think that i i think i appreciate some of the choices they make made to try to make freddy creepier oh this is the one thing and i think this is a popular perspective the movie does one interesting thing which it makes the characters doubt whether or not freddy was actually guilty yes and there's a cool concept there where you could remake this movie with Freddie actually having been innocent and make him a sympathetic villain um, yeah. where he's actually getting revenge on people justifiably. Yeah. At that point in the movie, you you're like watching it and it's like, Oh, okay. I, I that's interesting to think about that. Maybe he actually wasn't um, like the, a bad guy and, you know, yeah. and it's, and it, and it makes you think, and it makes you think like, wow, this is actually a really interesting concept. I'm glad they're kind of exploring this. And then it almost immediately gets ruined um, by the fact that not only is he guilty of all this, but it's also confirmed for the first time in a Friday the 13th, or uh, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street movie that he is a pedophile. Yeah. It's um, just like, ugh. yeah. Ugh. Like why? Again, it's just <laughs> like, it was yeah. implied in the previous movies, but we didn't need to like explicitly say it or like really look into that. It was just kind of a thing where like he murdered children and he probably touched them. But in this case, they specifically outright say, that yeah. he was a pedophile um and it's it's just it's i'm genuinely i'm genuinely all for a freddy remake where he's actually innocent i think he's that's innocent incredible. yeah and uh he, he would essentially be candy man <laughs> in that case yeah but, you know a white candy man <laughs> right but, um that's a that's a really interesting direction to take the movie and it's actually fascinating that they teased us with an interesting direction and then doubled down on the worst and the, the worst possible Instead, thing they, they were done, like yeah. they were like jokes were actually going to do something much worse than you could have imagined yeah. uh so yeah I, I i don't like the movie at all but uh i have hope so robert england he keeps saying like 
oh, I'll never play Freddy again. And then sometimes he'll say, eh, I got one movie left in me. And then he'll go like, okay, actually, I'm never going to play him again. But then somebody <laughs> asked him like, well, if Blumhouse gets the rights, would you do it? And he's like, yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> so it's like, he'll do okay. it if it's like, if it seems like a legit movie. And I know Jason Blum's all for doing all the franchises. Um, oh, for sure. My idea, I'm curious about your, if you have one, but my idea for to continue the franchise is if you bring it back, you kind of make it like a legacy thing where maybe Freddy is in the movie periodically and uh but we kind of introduce the concept that like different killers or different people can come back in this way and and then maybe kind of open up if you're if you're looking to make a long franchise which i know jason plum probably would you can kind of get your robert england and his freddy one last time but not open it up so that it has to be about freddy um and then you can kind of do interesting things with different killer characters or something uh but yeah i don't know i just uh i, I i'll be there day one yeah i'll be there for sure even if, Ring Lozana, even if it's another shitty remake i'll be there <laughs> yeah for sure yeah no i i i was thinking of something kind of similar where they i feel like if again if they were planning on doing like uh, continuing the franchise and trying to like kind of reboot it or whatever um if they almost made a movie that was like had it maybe a similar concept um but they didn't advertise it as a nightmare on elm street movie um yeah and it's not until you go to see the movie in theaters that you realize what the movie actually is yeah um but but kind of going into the idea of exploring maybe other characters being able to do similar similar things um and not just having it be freddy krueger but other serial killers or yeah people whatever yeah i like that i think it's interesting my last question for you is what your ranking is oh yes I actually just changed it as we were talking about the movies. Oh, cool. Um, a little bit, yeah. Not much. Um, so my favorite movie. Oh, you know, I'll go from worst to I will go from worst to best. Uh, obviously, uh, the re- the remake, uh, worst movie. Yep. Um, and then I have Freddy's Dead as the um, my second or you know, the next one up. Yeah. Um, after that one, I have Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Um. I actually originally had um, Dream Child below Freddy versus Jason, but the more we were talking about it, and the more I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I, I think I enjoy Dream Child more as a Nightmare on Elm Street movie than I do Freddy versus Jason because Freddy versus Jason feels yeah. very out of place, you know, for me. Honestly, when I watch it, it feels more like a Friday the Thirteenth movie to me than a Freddy than a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. Um. And so that one, so it, it went uh, just a step down because of that. But again, I'd still rather watch that over Freddy's Dead or the remake. Um, but yeah, so uh, above Freddy versus Jason, I have Dream Child. Um, and then I have Dream Master above that one. And then I have uh, part two um, at that yeah. point, which on a, re- on a rewatch, may- I might consider putting it higher. Um, but for now, that's where it is. And then my top three um, from... And my top three are New Nightmare, Dream Warriors, and then the first movie. Yeah, I almost 100% agree with you. I think some days Dream Warriors is my favorite. It's a real back and forth. The first and the third one are almost tied for first. But yeah, other than that, I agree with everything else. I think it's... uh, Honestly, if the first one wasn't so iconic to me, or wasn't so influential for me as a horror fan, um, I probably would maybe put Dream Warriors as my favorite one because I love that one too. And again, it's, it's close, but that first one 
um, just because it had such a big part of um, my love for horror movies and helping to, to kind of develop that. Um, it's yeah, it's and it's and it's genuinely just a really well done and scary movie too. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, oh, there's one thing. It's weird to jump back, but I, there's one thing. Last thing I wanted to mention. I forgot that when we were talking about New Nightmare. I like John Saxon in that movie too. I like. Oh how yeah, he's, he comes back in that one as well. Yeah, there's a great the way that he and Heather Langenkamp are friends in real life, and then yeah. at the end of the movie, they both fall back into their original characters, sort of seamlessly. Uh, yeah, he he shows good. up and he's like he's like the her dad again, and she's confused, and then she realizes that she has to be right Nancy be again Nancy. to de- yeah. to defeat the entity or whatever. Um, yeah, that, well, that's cool. I love John Saxon. Well, Brayden, I appreciate you being Brayden again, and oh, of course, coming on the podcast as Hawk Horror franchise is something I hope we keep doing until we both until one of us dies. Um, I am down for it, and there's a lot of franchises out there left to be explored. There's so many left, so more many. than we'll ever get to, probably. And and we haven't even got yeah, honestly, and we haven't even gotten to. I mean, we haven't even gotten to Halloween yet. Um, yeah. Uh, Texas say. Chainsaw Massacre. Um, <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. Those are the big ones. Where maybe. I don't know. It'd be an undertaking to try to do Hellraiser, but maybe we do some of the like the first four Hellraisers or something. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> Dead Meat covered the first four and then stopped after that. And I, sure enough, I watched those four movies and I was like, I don't know if I really want to continue watching yeah, the movies after it's this. Like that's good enough. Um, um, they're hard to find too, honestly, just to watch yeah. anywhere. Um, so I don't know. Maybe someday. Maybe one um, day. Yeah, I'd be yeah. down to though because I do genuinely like that that first one a lot. Um, oh, the Exorcist movies might be fun someday. There's yeah. a solid group of movies. I, I have to watch the sequels. I saw the first one for the first time last year, last Halloween. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So, and that's obviously it's a great movie. It's iconic, but um, yeah. I and mean, honestly, there could probably be a whole episode just about that movie itself. Definitely. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They could but, do one episode on that and then just one on all the sequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All That'd right. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything you want to plug or anything? Anything going on? Or... um well i mean there's stuff going on with me here in arizona but um <laughs> i'm not sure if any of your fans in michigan are really gonna be too concerned i, I might have that. fans in arizona i haven't it's been a while since i've checked the analytics but uh, you do have a play in what february you're acting well i actually well i'm actually i'm gonna start rehearsals next um next week um the theater that i'm doing um that i i'm a uh, part of is doing a stage show uh of elf like the movie oh, Elf. Yeah cool yeah so there's a musical version of that that we're doing and i'm playing the the manager of like the the store that buddy works at in the the movie yeah i'm playing that character um which is going to be a lot of fun and uh so and that'll be uh that's like the christmas show so i'll I'll be doing that before um uh, in december um and then in uh then uh, a week after that i start rehearsals for another show uh it's called chess um it's kind of a an 80s kind of rock music abba helped make the music for it um so that's really cool and i'm playing a a big role in that one too so if anyone is in arizona and they know of uh arts express theater that's what i'm doing it from or if they you just want to come down and and i don't know and and see some shows that's what i'm doing that's uh that's what i'm doing right now um and yeah all right um well, I appreciate you doing this again. I can't wait to talk with you again next Halloween <laughs> for whatever we end up doing next. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's right. been good, Johnny. Thank you for having me on here. And Thank I'm you for coming back. Looking forward to next year. Yeah. Happy Halloween. All right. You too. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy. You all know me and we scared as hell. He comes to me at night after I call.
everybody that wraps up yet another episode of we are movies thank you so much for listening huge thank you to Braden cooley my good friend for coming on uh and doing this partaking in tradition once again um it's one of the things i look forward to every year is doing these episodes with Braden because we, we can go on and on about our our favorite horror movie series uh and uh, there's an infinite amount of them so it's it's gonna happen forever um but uh yeah thank you to Braden um as always and if you're a fan of this podcast and you haven't yet you can follow us on instagram and twitter at we are movies pod you can like the facebook page we are movies you can also follow me on instagram at johnny mockney comedy you can also uh follow the tiktok johnny mockney comedy and i'm also on letterbox too it's just johnny mockney uh if you're interested in that so Anyway, uh, that's all I have for you today, and I will be back with you very soon in another spooky episode of We Are Movies.